What's up, Jays fans? Uh, Matt DeMarinas here from White and Blue Review. Sitting with my buddy, uh, my best bud, Robbie Lula from just about everywhere. <laughs> just from, um, from Blue Jays Shoot Around. Shoot Around, Crane Athletics Hour. Crane Athletics Hour, Overtime, 1620, Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Gary Sharp Show. Gary Sharp Show. I've done a couple uh, what's the podcast Severe called? and Bennings. What's the podcast called? Uh, Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula. Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula is, the po- is his own podcast. Uh... What was the what was the what would you call the show with you and uh, Verzal with when you guys were like oh meet uh, midday meatheads midday meatheads yeah. yeah that was a good one yeah that's is that did we touch it all yeah I think so I think that's all of them yeah that's a full that's a full slate <laughs> that's like a buffet of just like I can do everything what can I say I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a radio whore I'll just yeah if you you're if a, you show me the money I'll show up <laughs> you're, thir- you're you're thirsty. A little bit. So you're little thirsty bit. to talk, say some mouth words over into a microphone. So many mouth words. So many mouth words. <laughs> hey, man, appreciate you filling in. Um, yeah, what's the just so I know going well, into my this? Well, my my normal partner in crime on the Blue Jay beat, which makes more sense if you actually cover like yes, because I'm not a beat, beat right? Writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of the name was built for the two of us. Sure. Um, one of us had a baby, so there's like a life adjustment happening. I heard you were pregnant. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the explanation for that <laughs> that's some inside baseball <laughs> totally oh my god i can't uh, yeah we'll talk off there uh, oh no before we get into it though i need i feel like i need to know for uh <coughs> what's like the 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 rating on this podcast in terms of like content and language i don't want to i don't wanna, oh like, yeah go right ahead okay, okay. it's probably not it's not. I'm not gonna it's not, like. It's not heavy lifting. It's not like what we did. It's not like Alex Sindelar sitting it's, in. It's about 15 levels below the podcast we recorded <laughs> for the Christmas extravaganza. Yeah, for the right. Okay, but but, but if one slips, it's not a big deal. Yeah, okay. yeah. If you if All you right. know if you, if you drop some colorful language, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna be like, oh crap, we have to redo. the Restart whole thing. the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I just want to make sure. I didn't want to. No one's listening to this in church. Let's say that. I didn't know if this was like a a, a Disney family podcast <laughs> or no. Okay. I mainly get compliments, and we have cursed, so I haven't been told not to curse on it yet. So. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so. Um, but we are here to recap Creighton's 94-82 win over St. John's, uh, bouncing back on short and short turnaround after the Providence loss. Um, it's kind of short. Oh, there is a lot of these, though. A lot of the short turn. A lot of well, the Wednesday Saturdays. Considering the week off that St. John's had, it's a pretty short turnaround for this it's game. It's a I mean, much shorter turnaround than St. John's yeah. had, for sure. Yeah. I felt like one team had a significant advantage in the pace that this game was going to be played at. Um, and, and it was. And it's a good thing Creighton shot 60% for the game because. That's true. Yeah. That, it might have been problematic had they not been. And if they as had awesome shot anything like they did against Providence, this gets ugly pretty fast. Yeah, they might lose by 30 comfortably. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty comfortably. Um, <laughs> Especially if Erlington's <coughs> just going to go ham. Right, yeah, if he's going to have a, like a out-of-body experience that he had for 23 minutes today. Uh, so we're going to recap this win and then uh, preview a little bit of the Seton Hall matchup coming up on Wednesday. Um, the Pirates went into Nova and won. So they are now comfortably three games ahead in the Big East standings. And Creighton's officially tied for second, right? Uh, I don't think that's accurate. Is it seven and four? Oh, maybe you're yeah, right. Yeah, Nova just dropped to seven and four. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get a little preview of that later, and then we'll get some of your questions if they as they file in. Um, we'll give you guys a chance to chime in a little bit here longer. Um, but first of all, Robbie, uh, as the guests always do, I'd let you guys tee off first on with your thoughts on um, what you thought 
were some of the keys to success today for Creighton and why they were able to get the win? I mean, shooting the ball 60% definitely helps. Um, Point A. I was going to say that's the – Exhibit A, Your Honor. That's the first line on the resume. shooting from everywhere. I mean, I It said, was from everywhere, too. 13 of 28 from three means they were 22 of 30 from two. Yeah, they were – I mean, they, they were, were actually horrible from the line. 11 of 16 is pretty bad from the line. Yeah, that's right? not great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's – I mean – we like to make things really complicated sometimes, and sometimes it's they shot six for twenty-seven against Providence, and they shot thirteen for twenty-eight against St. John's. Sometimes it's not any more complicated than that. Like, yes, there's other factors. Okay, maybe you do this better. Maybe you don't give up as many offensive rebounds. <coughs> maybe you don't give up so many second chance points. But right. you know, if they shoot like this against Providence, they beat Providence. If they shoot like they did against Providence against St. John, they get beat by St. John. So it's. To me, it starts and ends there. Obviously, they don't have to shoot 60% most games to win, Mm -hmm. and they could have won this game, albeit probably a lot less comfortably if they don't shoot 60%. But because it wasn't, especially at the end, was not as close as the 12-point margin would kind of lead you to believe. It felt like it was a lot closer to getting to 20 at some points than it was to getting down into single digits. But um, I was really, obviously, when you shoot the ball like that, that that's really going to help out. Other than that, I was fairly impressed with uh, I'm sure I know I'm sure we'll get to this the, the defensive efforts on Figueroa and uh, Mustafa Heron mm. um, and, and to me those were really the big two keys in addition to and the last thing was just the way they handled the pressure of St. John's they only turned the ball over eight times which against fairly constant pressure for most of the game to me that's a pr- that's a pretty impressive number yeah no, that, that to me is where I started and ended pretty much uh, was Creighton's ability to handle pressure and not only attack it to score, but also not turn it over against it. You know what I mean? Like, I think their only live ball turnover didn't even come against the pressure. It just came off of a little mystery by Marcus Zagorowski. He didn't see LJ Figueroa in a passing lane, and it led to St. John's' only run out, their only steal of the game, which they came in averaging 10.4. I think they were fifth in the country, I believe, overall and easily number one among power conference teams. Um, and one steal is, easy, is comfortably a season low. Uh, so Creighton was super efficient and sharp with taking care of the basketball. And I thought it started – Mike Anderson, St. John's head coach, came in the presser and basically said that the pressure wasn't the problem, the three-point line was the difference, and I can't disagree with that anymore. Like, when you look at the three-point disparity, Creighton only hit two more threes. Yeah. And the, pr- and yeah, the percentage and, and was they only turned it over. They only turned it over eight times, and only one of those was a live ball turnover. That's the difference yeah. in the game. Yeah, I mean, you make Saint because you, you turn St. John's into a half court team, and St. John's only had six fast break points the entire game. At least that's what my official stats are telling me. Right, and like you said, if, if you get St. John's in playing half court basketball, you're gonna beat them most of the time. That's not what they do. That's not what they're designed to do. Maybe at some point down the line in Mike Anderson's <coughs> tenure when he kind of has maybe some more highly sophisticated offensive players on the roster. Maybe that won't be such a problem. You saw that at some of his better Missouri teams that eventually they could score out of the half court without having to be on the run all the time. Mm. But, and honestly, it's a thing that we've seen a lot with Creighton as well, where they finally in this last couple seasons gotten to the point where guys like Tyson Alexander, Marcus Zagorowski, Denzel Mahoney can allow them to win in slower paced games where they have to score out of their um, out of their half quarter quarter court offense because 
there was a couple years there where if Creighton couldn't get out and run, they probably weren't going to win that game. If the, yeah, yeah. if the pace was controlled against Creighton, then they were probably going to lose because their half-court offense wasn't efficient enough. That's where St. John's is right now. So to not get the turnovers, to not get those live ball open court turnovers is – I get they still put up 82 points. To me, that's a largely a pace issue. They were not very efficient offensively, and it's because they had to get – They were pretty efficient offensively. What did they shoot for the game? Well, they didn't shoot well, but they had – because of the offensive rebounds, they were at 1.2. Yeah, you're right. Okay, okay. That's, yeah. that's um, super efficient. Fair enough. I guess in my – the way I was watching it was like their initial – like their actual offensive action, yeah, yeah, was not not the scramble plays and stuff. Yes, like that. was yeah, not yeah. productive. For their sure. actual offense was not productive. Yeah, Creighton's first shot defense, you could argue, was actually pretty good. Yes, that yeah. exactly. And so, I don't think St. John's is at a point where they can survive games like this, where they're only getting six half court or six fast break points, and they're only turning the team over eight times in a game. They're not there as a program yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, Marcus Zagorowski and Tyson Alexander were the main guys. Uh, bringing the ball up against the pressure. I think the one thing that's maybe that was wild, I think, and, and probably a big key to the, to the reason that Creighton was able to be so efficient offensively was they were able to break that press basically by themselves. Yes. There wasn't – I think people – I heard, I heard, a, lot, I heard a lot of comparisons early. to, like, expecting this to be like the Memphis game and the NIT last year where it was just, like, so much chaos in the backcourt and there's, like, constantly seven, eight guys back yes. there and – you know, there's traps all over the place and loose balls, and it's just really ugly, physical, and um, it was going to be kind of a dogfight and a war back there. Creighton had no trouble breaking this pressure. I mean, none. They Mitch really Ballack didn't. brought it up a couple times. Denzel Mahoney brought it up once. But mainly it was Tyshawn and Marcus yeah. just, just, you know, cutting to the ball, getting away from traps, yeah. keeping the ball in the middle of the floor, and then just attacking guys and getting downhill to get to the half-court offense. Like, they really didn't they were even get so, They were so good at breaking Caught in very many themselves. traps. I mean, yeah, right. they only were able to set a few of them. Marcus broke a couple of them. He got fouled on one right near the, the end line after the inbound. But if you're not even able to set a trap in your St. John's, then obviously your press is not being effective mm-hmm. because – and here's the dirty little secret about presses, right? Is if you have a ball handler that's good enough to break a press on his own, it basically defeats it. Because if all the other guys clear out, the defenders have to follow them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just have full court passes for dunks all day. Yeah. But Creighton had a few of those. Which Yeah, they had yeah. a couple. They had one with uh, Damian Jefferson. They had, uh, I think, one, one with Christian Bishop as well. Mm-hmm. They but, had two or three with Damian and I think a couple with Christian. Yeah, yeah it was. and so that's the thing that people are like, oh, well, you just put all these guys in the backcourt and you heat them up or whatever. It's like, well, if you've got Zegarowski or Tyshawn Alexander who can make one move and they're by their initial yeah. defender and everybody and, and, else is, And they can read the floor at the same time. Yes, and everybody yeah. else is cleared out. Right. Your press is done. There's right. nothing left to do because the other four defenders have to follow the guys on offense. Otherwise, it's literally just a layup. And then you're in matchup nightmares with a team that's hard to match up with in the first place. Exactly. And so that's what people (coughs) – the idea of pressing is a lot more attractive than the actual execution of it Mm -hmm. because there are so many issues if you run into a good ball handler or a guy that's just got really good court awareness and can get the ball over half court on his own. Well, I thought – and then the other thing is I thought it was one of the keys – one of the strengths why why maybe St. John's' style played into Creighton's hands today was – with Mitch Ballack and Tyson Alexander and Marcus Sikorowski, 
those those three guards are elite at a lot of areas. Yes. Ball handling, passing, shooting are the main three. Yes. Um, and what St. John's' pressure tried to do in the second half was get the ball out of Marcus Zagorowski's hands, which they actually did pretty successfully. But not however, that, it's not that helpful. However, <laughs> Tyshawn Alexander is fully capable of doing the exact same thing as Marcus mean, Zagorowski is. Point guard the entire yeah. year as a freshman, right? Yeah. I mean, so what so are we had, talking about he, here? He had five assists and no turnovers in 34 minutes tonight. Tyshawn did. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Mitch had eight assists, one turnover in 39 minutes because he's a superhuman. And Marcus had, what, four and two? Yeah. In addition to his 23 points? Yeah, between those three, they had... What? They had 49 points on on 33 shots, and they had... 16 assists. 17 assists on on three turnovers? three turnovers. You'll take that that ratio. I mean... That's like six to one. Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought that's where the game was won, was... Now, I think it's tough because Creighton also was, like, when you look at Christian Bishop and Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney, um, they were also super efficient. But I felt like they were they were recipients of the fact that Tyshawn Marcus and Mitch were able to break that pressure yeah. as easily as they did. Especially Damian it got the, yeah, and Christian. It, yeah, because it got them in matchups yeah. that were favorable. Denzel was a little less, I think, directly a recipient and more just it got him in good positions. Damian and Christian were just directly getting buckets from it, right? Yes, I yeah. mean, just literally it, directly yeah. getting buckets from them breaking pressure. Denzel, I think, was getting into good matchups <coughs> because they were able to break pressure. I don't think St. John's had anybody who can guard Denzel, and I feel like that's going to be the case in the next matchup too. Like, There's a lot of... Champagne, Champagne was the guy who matched up with him most of the time, and he had no chance. He gave him too much space on the perimeter, and he still couldn't stop him from getting to the rim. That's the problem, yeah. right? And even the problem with Mahoney is even if you can stay in front of him, that doesn't mean you can stop him from getting to the rim. Right. You know, he's kind of just going to bull- He can go through He's going to bully his way there. Yeah. And he, ha- he does a pretty good job of not creating offensive fouls on that aspect of it. Because mm-hmm. that's what a lot of guys that are bigger, they kind of just lower their shoulder. They knock guys over. Yeah. And he keeps his, like, he keeps his, like, top half – even with his base yes. a lot, and yeah. that kind of he doesn't get out over his feet, right? Yeah, and he he does a pretty good job of staying in control. He's one of those guys, and I, I noticed it a lot. We were just in the press conference right before this, and him and Marcus Zagorowski were on the stage together, and call it a dais. I'm gonna call it a stage. A stage, yeah, or podium or dais. Is that what they go with? Amadeus. Amadeus. No, no, just a dais. Oh, okay. Just a, um, yeah, just a dais. Well, I'll go podium. Yeah, it feels weird to say stage. I'm going to say stage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, You're going to go with it, huh? Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. No. Right. So just the – like, obviously, Marcus is – you know, he's – <coughs> compared to most normal human beings, he's a pretty Sorry. big guy. He's, what, 6'2", 6'3". Marcus? Yeah. Yeah. Prototypical point guard for yeah, – For a typical it, point yeah. guard and especially to, like, a typical just adult person. <laughs> he's a big oh, guy. Oh, sure. Yeah. But then you look at Denzel, who's, like, another – 50% broader through the shoulders than Marcus. Like, he's like, you take Marcus, then you add 50% more of Marcus, right. and then that's Denzel's broadness. And it's just a different style of body that most guys don't have on the perimeter. Mm. And it's a really difficult thing for for defenders to just get around you to try and contest a shot, or especially when he starts to back, him down, back guys down a little bit. It's just an unusual, uncomfortable position to put defenders in that are not used to guarding guys of that, like, size and strength. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Damian Jefferson is another guy that I think we talked about him being the recipient of um, the backcourt's ability to handle pressure and not turn the ball over. Uh, but 16 points on nine shots, and I felt like early in the game he put he set a pretty good tone offensively uh, with Creighton's ability to drive and and you know exploit St. John's difficulty with keeping the ball in front of him. Because um, even I mean they they closed out. I thought from a Sky Report standpoint they guarded Damian. Exactly how they were supposed to. They close out short a lot. Yep. But he was still able to get downhill and get to the rim on that, which is which kind of speaks to his athleticism because he was there was space that he had to make up and yeah to, to still the make space up that space and then, and get then by. still get yeah. by. Um, that I mean his athleticism was kind of on full display today because he was able to get to the rim despite despite St. John's giving him space to, to shoot the three all day. It was. I will say just from like a coaching standpoint. Even if they were closing out the correct distance, St. John's has bad closeouts because they close out with really heavy feet. Mm. They, like, get to their spot and get stuck stop. In, get stuck in the Yeah, sand. they're just, yeah. like, in cement at that point. Mm-hmm. So they would get to the spot that they were supposed to against Denzel Mahoney, but they would almost, like, jump stop and dig their heels in, whereas you have to, like, keep pretty active, choppy feet yeah. when you're coming out there. So rather than, like, closing out and like doing a big jump stop and, and getting to your spot, you kind of have to – your last few steps kind of have to be choppy so you're real agile and can change direction. Right, because that's the key close out, and then you have to be able to go right or you left. You have to be close out and a, then still move. Right, Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not close out and like, I did it. Because you're not going not gonna to make the defender – Correct. The offensive player back. The offensive player is like, hey, ooh, good close out. Like, oh, i got to pass it off. <laughs> you, man, you got me there. Um, <laughs> Where should I go? <laughs> oh, shoot, I'm stuck. Um, and so, yeah, there you have the initial – part of the closeout which they did correctly but I thought all night whether it was against Zagorowski whether it was against uh, Denzel Mahoney or Jefferson I thought they did a really poor job of of keeping active feet once they closed out and it allowed Creighton to get to the rim a lot mm-hmm. um, I thought one humongous stretch in this game in general was the end of the first half uh, I just I'm really interested I just in my mind in terms of hypotheticals to see what this game turns out to be if Creighton doesn't close the first half the way they did cuz they were awesome offensively. I mean they were as good as they possibly can be in terms of how they were yes the yeah. rate they were scoring at um and how they were taking care of the ball. And yet St. John's had closed within two cuz they scored an 8 to 9 possessions. Um I think right before maybe the under eight timeout, I think, was when it started. Um, so in the final 14 possessions of the f- first half, St. John's only scored 11 points. So that's, you know, and you think about what they finished up with, with 1.2 for the game, that stretches at point, under point eight. Yeah. Um, and Creighton was able to push the lead back out to 10 on some nice finishes and some nice feeds by Marcus Zagorowski to Christian Bishop at the end of the first half, including the sick-ass alley-oop right yes, before the buzzer. that was pretty nasty. Where Christian, Christian came crashing in from the weak side as Marcus drove Kinda like down the scene. Kind of like had it back behind his head and threw it down. Yeah. There's every that once in a while. But, I mean, that stretch I felt like was crucial because yes. if Creighton goes into halftime with like a four-point a lead. two- or three-point yeah. lead at, at the at the rate they were scoring at and the way they shot the ball and the way they took care of it, I don't know what their psyche is like. Like, like dang, we only turned it over four times. We shot 60% <laughs> and we're up three on this team. Yeah. You know what I mean? At home. That could have done some. That could have well, done some damage to a little bit of their confidence. Especially I think. because there were stretches, and, and the numbers for the game ended up not as good because St. John's missed some three pointers down the stretch. But there was a point where they were shooting the ball really well from three point range, mm-hmm. and much better than they do 
as a team for the season. They're only about 30% for the season. Yeah. And they ended up probably in that 34-ish percent range, 35. But they had a stretch there before they missed a handful at the end of the game where, you know, they're shooting the ball way better than they normally do. I mean, they were nine. They were two for their first, like, nine. Yeah. So they had nine in the last, like, 22 or 23. Yeah, and there that's was pretty a, good. And there was a stretch in the middle there where it seemed like they made, like, four or five in a row. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, hey, this team is supposed to be broke. What are we doing here? And if you're experiencing that in the course of still building a 10-point lead at halftime and having a double-digit lead for most of the second half, that's a little bit easier to do some, like, psyche damage control than if they're doing that all of a sudden they're up six because you were only up three at halftime and then they hit you with this barrage out of the second half Mm -hmm. and you're like, what just happened? We're still shooting the ball 60% from the field and we're losing to the St. John's team. I think you're right in that, that end of the first half stretch and then I think it was when it was like 62 to 60 at about 12 minutes left or mm-hmm. 11 minutes left where they ballooned it back out to, I think, 70 to 62. And that was a – I think St. John's took a timeout at that point, and that was a huge stretch for Creighton as well. Yeah. Because that then, really set up the And then, of the course, came the possession where Mitch hit the three and then LJ Figueroa punched Christian in the face and <laughs> got the tech and got yanked. It seemed like they lost their composure a bit. A little bit. That was typical St. John's. That there was also – they didn't call anything, but Damian Jefferson got undercut. On his dunk. It was well it didn't or was it a layup? It was gonna be a dunk. But it was but on he, the press break, right? Yes, yeah, so it was yeah. on the press break. Yeah. And he, he had like, something to say about it. He didn't it. like that. He had some words. Yeah, he did. He had some mouth words that weren't very not that were naughty. They were uh they were PG thirteen to say the least. Mm-hmm. And but it, it seemed for sure that that St. John's lost their composure a little bit as they felt the game starting to slip away. You could kind of feel that, and I'm glad it didn't get any uglier than it did because when you have a guy like Figueroa kind of swinging an elbow or a fist or whatever he did, and then you have people getting undercut, like that can get pretty nasty in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about uh, – well, first of all, do we want to give Marcellus Erlingson any props for having the game of his life? For, like, being possessed by yeah. David Duke? I don't know. 25 points. <laughs> <laughs> 25 points, 10 boards uh, in, 23 in 23 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. From a guy who usually is around the 6.10 rebound on his good nights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was certainly not He was 3 of 4 from 3, which doubles his makes from for, three the for the season. Yeah. That's not a joke. That's a real number. And literally, he had three three-pointers yeah. coming into the, se- and he, into and the he, game. And he doubled that today. Yeah. In, tw- in 23 minutes, he doubled it. Um, um, I mean, good for you. Shoot your shot. Like... I appreciate the confidence. Yeah. But it's almost funny to think, like, if he's just at his average, how ugly is this? Oh, it's awful. Because that's the other part of it. It's like Creighton was kind of lucky in some ways because they were really awesome offensively and not great defensively. But a lot of the reasons they weren't great defensively is because some guy, Marcellus Erlington isn't even the fifth most talked about person on the Sky Report. And in. And yet, at the under-12, Tyshawn Alexander is guarding him in the second half <laughs> because he's the only person for St. John's who's scoring he's, he's at any – He's become a scoring who's, threat who's any, who's any concern offensively at that point. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where you get lucky in some areas and get really unlucky in other yeah. areas, and you just kind of hope it balances out. You play the percentages out. and see what happens. And that, yeah, and, and they that, play the percentages, yeah. and every once in a while you're going to have a Marcellus Erlington have like a, I don't know, 
<laughs> like a, I mean, if he has a game like that ever the rest of his career, I don't. Oh, he will not. I guarantee it. It won't happen. He will never yeah. have. He's just not. He's never been that guy. He will never have 25 and 10 <laughs> as long as he lives unless it's in some, like, unless it's in some rec league when he's 33. Damn, you're going hard in the paint now. I'm just saying. He's never scoring 25 no, and 10 I, again. Yeah, I guarantee I'm, I'm, it. I'm with you. It's, it's, it was crazy to see. I, like, got to the point where I was laughing at. Yeah, you're just like, well, like they all right. Because at some point in the second half, especially when Figueroa like kind of took it, he just wouldn't. Figueroa against Tyshawn had like he only took three shots against Tyshawn the whole game, and hit one of them. Um, but he just was he would like he had his go to moves, and Tyshawn, to his credit, again had him scouted perfectly, did a good job in the film session clearly because he took away his yeah his, his little pet moves yeah he took away his pet moves, and when that happened, Figueroa was like, well, I don't have anything left, so I just want to pass. Marcellus, what do you got today? I'm pass and cut. And then, like, so, yeah. So, at some point, St. John's was like, okay, well, our best player has been taken out of the game, and Mustafa Heron isn't very sharp. Um, I think he had – he was three for eight today. Um, Although he was three I, so, for so, six from three. He was. One of those was blindfolded. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, it was an accident. But, but they were like, okay, well, we got to run stuff for Marcellus because he's the only guy who's – He's literally the only other guy that's in a shot today. Yeah, he's, so. he's it. He's it. So, that's kind of what they started doing after a while, and – um, Creighton was like, okay, well, I guess we got to put our best defender on the guy they're running plays for then. <laughs> so it was kind of crazy. I did not think going into this game that Tyshawn would ever have to guard uh, Earlington, but he did have to do that. So Yeah, he – I... <laughs> Again, I'm not trying to disparage the man at all. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm proud of you. You'll have this story for the rest of your life that you drop 25 and 10 in front of – 15,000 people in a Division One basketball game. Like, that's mm-hmm. awesome for you. It literally will never happen again in the course of his life. Unless he's playing against children. As long as, <laughs> as, long as we're on the lighter side of things, do, uh, do Creighton fans get any, like, comfort in the fact that Ian Steer played in zero minutes tonight? I mean, they felt, like, snubbed, and then they kind of, like, watch that. I mean, they watch him play four minutes in NC State and transfer – <laughs> and then he ends up at St. John's and Creighton fans are like, oh, no, is he going to kill us for four years? And he can't, he can't, I mean, he so can't. So far, no. So far, not looking like that going to happen. Um, I mean. Like, what's the, what's the, I mean, because then there's the other side of it, too, like Creighton recruited that dude. Yeah. But he also turned out to be pretty flaky. Well, you, he is a strange guy. Is he? I've never talked to him. Um, Yeah, I think I did an interview with him after he committed. Okay. And. Listen, like, all 18-year-old guys are a little flaky, but he just seemed a little extra. And you also wondered, and I don't want to throw wild accusations out there. Sounds like you're going to. But I'm about to. I feel like that's a major butt coming. Oh, yeah. Just (laughs) some... However. That's some, like, Super Bowl halftime show butt coming at you right now. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I love that. But, um... I mean, listen, so he was committed to Creighton, right? Yeah. And then he has this impromptu switch to NC State. And oh, then within yeah, a year, NC sure. State has pretty major allegations, both from the FBI and NCAA, like for recruiting and paying people. Like, I don't, I don't feel like it's a coincidence. I just don't. No, it feels like it's not. Especially because almost the exact same thing happened with Tugs Bowen. And people got fired, and I think someone went to prison. <laughs> like, Pretty sure a lot of people went to prison. And, like, it was almost the exact same thing. This team that we had never heard of in his recruitment, and he's like, yep, I'm going there. I still, I, I, man, it would be fun to do just a podcast on how Creighton ended up in an FBI scandal. 
I mean, little, it's pretty little, simple. Little Creighton University. <laughs> it's pretty. Uh, it's a Texas. It's Kansas. Duke. Creighton. NC State. What Creighton? Wait. One of those things. Did somebody? Like, is that a misprint? Is you? Did, is there like a scrambled word there? Or? <laughs> Was that an autocorrect? <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty... Do you mean to say Connecticut? They just a- kind of like spit it out wrong or what happened? Did you click on the wrong wrong bar? Clicked on the wrong year in the Big East? Um, no, I mean, it's a pretty short two-word answer that yeah. I don't think we need to get into right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's that's just wild. But yeah, you play, I don't know, you didn't play at all. Yeah, I mean, listen, and you wonder what he looks like at Creighton versus what he was like, you know... It's hard to do, like, one-to-one comparisons, right? Yeah. Because maybe his style would have fit what Creighton needed or what he needed out of a program more than an NC State or a St. John's. I mean, all, I, I mean like, 95% of this, that stuff is fit anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Unless you're just the elite of the elite. Yeah, right. And you're this just top-tier. Where, where system is you. One and done. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what the system is. The system is now whoever you are. Like, and that's just what we're doing. Yeah. Most of these guys, it's all about fit, right? Yeah. Like, and then how much you can improve within that system. Yeah, it, because it's funny because it's like a lot. I remember if you look at this whole roster and then just like go back two years and think like, uh, oh man, Justin Patton is going to be a senior this year, and like all oh, Kyrie Thomas maybe a senior last year, and like think about all the what ifs that happen with yeah, roster management. Justin Patton was a senior this year with Marcus Zagorowski throwing him oops. Like I like our chances. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I winning the national title, right? Yeah, like. It's it, but the way it shakes out, like Tyson Alexander has also improved to be a player that people didn't think he was capable sure. of being. Um, people didn't. You know, think same with Mitch Ballack. Like he, the dude just doesn't get tired. Like that's not that's not human. for no, that's not for nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's hard work, right? Well, and even a guy like Marcus Zagorowski, because I think it was was it David Duke that was the, that Creighton was recruiting at the same time. Yes. So there was this big argument within Creighton fan circles of. They got not the just co- within the fan, not just within the fan circle, it was within the coaching staff. Sure. So they got the commitment from Marcus Zagorowski and kind of backed off of Duke, as I understand it. Yeah. At that they, point, they because they locked Mac down because they won. locked down their guy. Yeah. And then they backed off the other guy, right? Right. And so, and that's that was controversial because Duke was a lot more highly rated in terms of recruiting services and everything like yes. that. And and listen, he's obviously a super talented guy. We saw what he did against Creighton, but we've also seen what he does most games. Right. And so, but you I don't have, think there's anybody who would trade that. No, I don't think Providence would trade. I mean, I think Providence would trade Providence that. Providence is the only thing they would trade that. Yes. Because they're still looking for a point yes, guard. Yes, because they're still yeah. looking for Marcus Zagorowski. Yeah. But the point is, is Marcus Zagorowski, you know, what is his fit? You know, I think he was down to Minnesota, Ohio State, and Butler mm-hmm. in addition, and Washington in addition to Creighton. I mean, Minnesota is kind of a dumpster fire every year. What does he look like at Minnesota? What does he look like, you know, at Butler playing behind Kamar Baldwin? You know what I mean? So as as much as I believe in Marcus Zagorowski, which I'm the I think I'm the driver of that bandwagon. It's still even for a guy that talented, the fit is super duper important. Yeah. And so going all the way back around the bar into Ian Steer, you know, on a team like Creighton that struggles with front court depth and. He brings some athleticism and can finish above the rim, or at least he could in high school. I haven't watched him play in college because <coughs> he just doesn't – he hasn't put a lot of tape out there. He has not put a lot of tape out there. Um, Neither has he. <laughs> no one's seen him play in college. It's incredible. Um, no, but, you know, he was an above-the-rim finisher, really good rebounder in high school. Mm-hmm. That probably fits really well into a Creighton system right now because those are some things that they could probably use. But 
I, I think it's a nice little plus for Creighton fans that at least for at least for this matchup they didn't have to live that nightmare. Yeah. Because we we've experienced that before, right? With like a JP Mercura. Oh, who, where it just keeps happening over and over. Again yeah, where you just recruit. like, yeah. are you d- ha- graduate? Dear God, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Just please stop doing this. For sure. I think Creighton got the last laugh on that one with Marcus Foster hitting the game winner at MSG, though. So Probably, that but... Was, that was the final... It was. That was the final matchup. But let me tell you, it was an unpleasant four years. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what'd you, I mean, what do you think about Tyshawn's defense on Figueroa today? I mean, he had 12 points on seven shots, but he only took three of those shots on Tyshawn. Yeah, I mean... For some reason, he didn't... It's not like he wasn't trying to be aggressive. It's just like I thought, again, Tyshawn took, like took, took away his first and second move, and he didn't really feel like countering any of that and just decided to Pack just it in, pass and call cut. it a day. Well, <laughs> I mean, he passed and cut and maybe decided to, like, you know, attack it from a different angle. But he had a couple where he kind of got around some screens in the second half. Um, I think they missed him on one. They hit him on another where he scored. But, I mean, for the most part, Tyshawn – you know, sometimes people think about defense in terms of just how many shots you can make a guy miss, but the thing I always appreciated about Kyrie's defense, and I thought that got kind of underrated at some point in his career. when How they, many shots he discouraged from people taking yeah, in the first place? Yeah, just in the general, like how much you were like, You're this like, dude's on me, I'm Marcus not. Why did Howard only take seven shots today? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Why did Shamari Pons only go two for nine? Right. Well, like, why it's does, because why Mullen does, had to bench why him does Keelan because Martin he was have crying many, on the floor. <laughs> why does Keelan Martin have as many turnovers as points? Well, because he's he turns into like, a little different player when the, a good defender's on one you. Of like, my, uh, one of my, like, uh, you know, like, memories or whatever from Facebook or Twitter popped up the other day, and the tweet was literally, I think the only person who likes seeing Kyrie Thomas less than Kellen Martin is Shamari Pons. <laughs> right. Oh, man, we're ready to Shamari. He got benched. Shamari Pons got benched. Yeah. Because Kyrie Thomas was made him so ineffective. He was 0 for 12, and he, oh, got, man. he got sat down. That was just like my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, that was that was wild. Yeah, Shamari and Keelan Martin were not big Kyrie fans. <laughs> Those poor kids. But, no, that to your point. But, yeah, that's like that's what I mean. But, but to, to go to, to hold to, Figueroa to only seven attempts – is part of the thing, right? To make a guy yeah. so uncomfortable he's not even attempting shots. I mean, the fact that Tyshawn was on him most of the time when Figueroa was on the floor and he only got three shots off against the guy, like... Because I don't know, like, That's I, just, that's not... I mean, considering he's averaging 15 coming in, to only take three when you're on... The most, most of the time you're on the floor, yeah. you're being taken out of the game whether you know it or not. Right. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, it felt like he knew it because he was... He was Pretty, he was frustrated by the end. Yeah, he was yeah. very frustrated, as you saw, by punching I mean, people you know, in the yeah. head. Punching people in the head, played 27 minutes, got sat for the most <laughs> of the – I mean, he got um, sat down the stretch. Like, he got taken out of the game. But it, it's – So it's, it's another Creighton defender getting, getting the St. John's top scorer bench, basically, <laughs> is what happened today. Which is fun for me. I enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, no, it's – I mean, and this is a, kind of a silly comparison, but even if you just play pickup basketball, if you've got that guy in there that just, just dogs you mm. – like, you just don't shoot the ball. It's not that yeah. you're taking, like, 30 shots still and you're just missing all of them. At a certain point, whether it's in pickup ball or Division One basketball, you're like, I have to stop shooting because if I just miss 12 shots in a row, I'm going to get murdered. Like, someone on my own team yeah. will end my life. Right. Yeah, stop shooting. You're not going to hit on this dude. Yeah, and so it, it's just a, the fact that you can hold a guy to that few shot attempts – 
is as impressive as anything. To so, me, it's almost F- more Figueroa impressive. Figueroa is a guy who has he has size on Tyshawn, so he can get yeah. his shot up over him if he wants it. He's what six six and, he, and he's and he's a deep shooter too. He likes to take yeah shots from two to three feet behind the line. That's kind of like where he lives. Um, that's the scouting report number one on him is he will catch and shoot from deep. And he um, made a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you see from Tyshawn that that discouraged that today? Because I mean, even even when he was even when he was trying to get downhill and couldn't, he still also wasn't catching and shooting against him either. Most of especially on a, <clears throat> for a catch and shoot type <clears throat> player, most of that work defensively is off the ball, right? Yeah. And so if you're just making a first of all, if you're just making a guy work incredibly hard to get open. By the time he catches the ball, a lot of times he doesn't feel confident in shooting because his legs are dead. Mm. Like if he's at running, he's around, had to work so hard to get open. Yes, that, if you're running yeah. around all over the place, that's what makes guys like Kyle Korver and Clay Thompson so incredible because they just are running constantly, and then yeah. as soon as they catch the ball, it's up and it's in. Mm-hmm. And not everyone can do that, right? And so when you've got a guy that makes you work so hard to get open, first of all, by the time you get the ball. A lot of times you're not ready to shoot. And second of all, if you do There's get like a open, sense of relief that you even got it in the first place. Yes. Like, oh, I got enough space to actually get a touch. But a lot of – and then there's a level of frustration with your own teammates because you feel like you get open for a second, but you're only open for a half second. That so first possession they the second don't half, find you, saw you. It, right? Yes. Remember where he cut and he actually got space to cut and get and the they pass didn't get and go it. to the rim? They didn't find him because of a good uh, – Creighton had good uh, trace on the ball. Yeah, on the good perimeter. on-ball pressure, yeah. Um, there was like – visible like what the exactly yeah. he's like i'm working this freaking hard yeah to get open we literally had this play drawn up for the first time of the game didn't and you still find did. me yeah. yeah so there's a couple things there on on just frustrating a guy off the ball to the point where even when he catches it it's almost impossible to take a good shot and more frequently than that he's just not in positions to score it, it's forcing him to catch the ball in positions where he's just it's just not a scoring position, right? Yeah. If you know where a guy likes to catch the ball on the floor, you just work that much harder to make sure he's catching it other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you're able to do that, by the time he catches the ball, he's so frustrated, he's just not in his game. And that's as much of it as anything. It's just disrupting a guy's mental space and comfortability with the basketball. And if you're able to do that for the first portion of a game, it's really hard for a guy to kind of click back in at that point. Especially a guy like, I get Figueroa is their leading scorer, but he's not an elite scorer to me like some of the other guys in the league that can kind of find it mm-hmm. after being frustrated. He kind of is one of more, he's more like Kellen Martin than he is like Marcus Howard in terms of kind of have to get him into a rhythm, kind of have to work to get him his shots and everything like that. And if if Creighton and Tyson Alexander specifically is making that so difficult on him, it's more work than it's worth to try and get him involved in the offense still at that point. Yeah. Especially when early then, yeah, was just going to go bananas. Especially when early is doing what you want Figueroa to do in the first place. Yeah, you're like, well, he's already doing it, so let's just – So why don't you sit down and yeah. stop punching people in the head and we'll give Erlington <laughs> the ball. <laughs> totally. Um, one more thing I want to touch on before we jump into questions, which are not very many. Um – Offensive rebounding for St. John's. They came in as the worst offensive rebounding team in the league, and they grabbed 18 today. So here's going back from January 11th when Creighton won at Xavier. And I think it's funny because Creighton is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 
Creighton's actually six and two in this stretch somehow, but um, they allowed fifteen offensive rebounds. Here's the offensive rebound numbers they've given up in the in the eight games where they're six and two somehow. Okay. Uh, 15, 10, 19, 12, 19, 9, 9, 18. That's a lot. Those are super high offensive That's rebound numbers. That's a lot numbers. of offensive rebound numbers. Yeah. So, and again, today against the St. John's team that is not dead, a good offensive rebound. Was game. dead last in the league in offensive rebounding. The only team worse than Creighton. They grab 18. That's a lot. Um, feels like something that needs to be addressed in a major way, especially with what is looms ahead on Wednesday. Why yeah. do you think Creighton had so much trouble today? You I mean, know, long rebounds for one. Long rebounds for one. So those they, are tough to block out. And they missed, like, 23s, right? Yes. So. They missed 43 shots altogether today. Which is a lot. It is a lot of shots missed. Um, the other thing is, St. John's missed a lot of shots that, like, barely touched the rim at all or airballed. Okay. They had, And those are almost impossible to track. To, to, to track. To, yeah, off the rim. Right. Not impossible to rebound, but they're really difficult to track. So that's part of it. Um, that's obviously an isolated incident with this game specifically. Honestly, I think a lot of it is a focus thing. They're focusing so much on the actual defensive game plan mm-hmm. and getting that part of it done that I don't know if it's like a mental energy or a physical energy thing where something has had to give. And I don't think they chose it. I don't think they chose like, oh, let's give up offensive rebounds. We'll just play defense for 20 more seconds. It'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think it's like a conscious decision. Yeah. I think it's just like, okay, if we play defense and rebound and do everything on that end of the floor perfectly, we go six for 27 on the offensive end from three-point range. We can't make any shots. Mm. If we rebound really well and shoot really well, we give up 90 points. And so it just kind of became the least evil of the options in terms of – and again – I don't think it's a conscious decision. I think it's something that's just kind of happened where if they're going to shoot the ball at any decent percentage on offense and they're going to defend at any decent level on defense, some portion of the game is not going to get the energy that it deserves. Yeah. And it's kind of happened that it's been rebounding for the last eight games. Now that's going to come back and kill them at some point. It just you, is. Yeah. It I just mean, it, it is. And it might be Wednesday. It might be Wednesday. It might be, you know, at any point down the road, they might lose to some team that they really have no business losing to. I mean, it feels like Wednesday and then one more time at the end of the season and then Butler are the last chances for that to really kill them. Because, like I said, they're 6-2 and two against in that stretch, which right, is really weird. Because they're playing really good defense, and for the most part, they're shooting the for ball like, well. They're playing really good defense for like 40 seconds. Yeah, That's a not, lot of defense. A lot it's of, a lot of defense. They're not playing good defense. They're playing a lot of good defense. Yes, they're playing very long stretches of good defense. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on an exact thing because, you know, we heard Marcus Zagorowski talk about in the postgame press conference that once uh, Coach I mean, Matt kind of like made them zero in, yeah. They shorted it up a little bit, but it's something that they – I mean, it's going to get them beat in a way that they really shouldn't get beat at some point. Right. And it's just hard to I mean, say fa- I don't know if points per shot is, like, a thing that matters. I might be just making this up out of my ass right now. But, like, think about the fact that between field goal attempts and free throws, St. John's took 85 shots today and scored 82 points and then do the same thing with Creighton. Creighton scored 94 points on 74 shots between field goal attempts and free throws. Yeah. So St. John's was like sub point per shot. Which is good. That's a very good defense. You think you're playing good defense. Yeah. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like if you're talking, points per possession is the defensive efficiency metric, but 
points per shot feels like points per shot is like the primitive version of of points per possession yes it's like one of the primitive early like efficiency metrics right and so i think there is some value there but but i think that's like that that might be how they're six and two sure yeah despite getting just absolutely because the defense really is that good right in terms of how they've defending shots at the actual shots right now you have to end the defensive possession at some point mm-hmm. in order to score points, which is in the, order to have the ball at all. Yes, <laughs> which in the grand scheme of things is an important part of the game. Uh-huh. But if you're able to defend at that level, even if it has to be for 35, 40 seconds, because you are giving up an offensive rebound, you know that works. The other thing is, a lot of times they're not I'm just I'm just I can't wait to do, the, do this preview cuz Creighton has to block out two 7 footers. Not not two great. Two 7 footers not and, then, great. and then a 6'10 dude it was really athletic. Not great. Um <laughs> they're going to have 30 offensive rebounds. I mean good god man. Um, if they're not they shooting They really might. Yeah, they they could just like chuck the thing up there. Here's the other thing though. They don't even have to aim for the shot when they Well, shooting. that's what Miles Powell does anyway, oh, so. Oh, no, that's fair. We'll get um, into that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really look what he's doing it anyway. He was good today. <laughs> he was good today and it's still not fun to watch. Um <laughs> No, but the the other thing is a lot of times with these offensive rebounds, they're actually not playing extra defense because it's a miss at the rim and then it either goes right back up and they make it or it goes right back up and they get the rebound at that point, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these offensive rebounds are not actually productive and they're not actually causing more defensive strain on the team. Yeah. And so if every team brought down the offensive rebound, kicked it back out and made them play defense for 20 more seconds, it would probably kill them. Right, it would probably kill crazy, especially this eight game stretch. Yes, yeah, they'd be they'd be done. But yeah, because most of the time you're talking about two extra seconds of defense, and really it's just a second jump. You're like, oh, that guy missed the putback. Let me go go yeah. grab it now. I think that's part of it why they've been able and, to survive. And say Johnson only had, I mean, I know it's only 18 second chance points. That's a lot. I mean, but it, but considering they had 18 offensive rebounds, it's only a point per possession. It's all, you're, that, basically you're shooting 50 percent on shots at the rim. Yeah. Because that's what yeah. most offensive rebounds are within like five feet of the rim. Which is not good. So if you're shooting 50% at the rim, that's quite bad. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. don't think Seton Hall will shoot that bad of a percentage at the rim. No. That's what, yeah, we'll get into that. But that's something to look forward to going forward because Creighton has been absolutely awful. Really, um, really bad. In defensive rebounding. And, and I think it's, it wasn't, I don't know if I was as alarmed by it. Um... Because I think holding Villanova and Providence to 18 total is fine. You know what I mean? If you can keep... Because considering what you're giving up uh, from an athleticism standpoint and a length standpoint... Sure, yeah. That's fine, yeah. I think. You know what I mean? Um, the Xavier thing was Xavier went with a super big lineup against Creighton's super small lineup. Basically for this And purpose. it was basically like Xavier's going to grab off his rebounds and Creighton's going to not be guarded at all. That's the trade-off. It was a lot. Because Xavier could not match up defensively. No. And Creighton no. couldn't match up on the glass. And it was like, all right, who's going to win this battle? Yeah, it and was Creighton, like if Creighton – Creighton led the whole way. If Creighton ever gets the ball back, they were going to score immediately. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Xavier – As soon as you guys score your layup or we get the ball right. somehow into our lap, we're going to go down and it score. It was basically we're just – going to hit threes. Xavier was just like – It was threes for two all day. We're going to hope the ball never bounces to you. Yes. That was basically, we're hoping that the rim never sends it your direction. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that one didn't feel like panic mode. But for St. John's, a team that doesn't, like I said, they're the only team in the league worse with a worse offensive rebounding percentage than Creighton. That's a little concerning. That's That that one is like, this is pretty alarming, the fact that they – and for most of the game, uh, 
um, Creighton's offense or defense rebounding rate was like around fifty percent. That's trash. Not it's not good. And so, like <laughs> that to me is like this is something that could be problematic. To, needs yeah. to be addressed in the coming days. Um, Which you have to imagine it will be. I mean, yeah. Let's get to uh, questions real quick. I don't think we've got like two serious ones. Um, no disrespect, fellas. <laughs> I don't even think they're gonna listen anyway. Um, we got one from. Uh, well, that was about reading. You did confirm that none of these from Josh or Stibbs are worth reading out loud, right? Yeah, they're all about, like, weird XFL stuff. Okay. I don't know what. Because the way to find out, I don't, I don't ever have, like, a, a filter. I just read the question out loud and whatever it says, it says. Yeah, so the only uh, the only one, if you wanted to weigh in on this, I already answered on Twitter. What? Um, this is not a serious question, but it's fun. Uh, Josh wanted to know who the most handsome person at 1620 was. Oh. And I said full-time or fill-ins. Okay. And he said both. That's so said. two well, categories or one? I did two. So I did fill-ins. So I'm, most handsome fill-ins and most handsome yes. so f- uh, permanent Full-time, yeah. So fill-ins, we're basically talking about like me, Sip, and Vers. Jack Mitchell, and Verz. Man, you easily win that one, right? See, that's what I said. I like, that one, it's me. That's not even close, I don't think. Um, What's John Tallman look like? He's pretty good looking. He fills in in the morning. Every once in a while, yeah. I did so a I'm show not, with him. So I'm not super confident on you versus Tom because I've never seen Tom before. Tom is pretty good looking. I'm definitely more jacked than he is. All right. He's more like classically like white guy handsome. Okay. So it's kind of just like a what well, you prefer. I, yeah. So I can't I can't like make a call on that because I haven't seen sure, him. Sure. Yeah. So I'll just call a tie between you two. Fair. Fair. Because you're definitely better looking than the others that I didn't know. Yeah. Feelings. For sure. So that's not even. To me, that's not even an argument. Um, for full time, I said I went with Damon. I think Damon's probably yeah, the most full time, most handsome sixteen twenty. It, it's got to be Damon, right? Yeah, and he's usually got like shades on when I go in there. He dresses really cool. Yeah, so he's got like he's got a lot of swag. He does. He's got some swag. Um, it's definitely not John or Gary. No offense, love you guys. No. But Stibbs is a pretty handsome dude, though. Stibbs is handsome. That's true. Yeah. Um, I think Josh has some boyish charm. For sure. When, but, jo- when Josh was, like, getting right for the wedding and everything, he got into pretty good shape. Yeah. So he was a handsome fella. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like Stibbs, for being a guy who maybe doesn't give a, f- a shit, <laughs> he, he's pretty naturally handsome. He is. He's a good, Have you seen him in his pictures in high school when he's got, like, the giant yeah, hair? Yeah, He kind of looks like Alice from the from the Brady Bunch. Yeah, I feel like he could he could, he could could be, like, a top bachelor on the market. Yeah. If... if if that's if he's into that sort of thing. If he was if he was so if inclined. He rolled, if he rolls that way. Yeah. But I went with Damon. I thought Damon. Yeah, I, that's a safe pick for sure. Um so is that the only serious Yeah, everything else was like I don't I haven't watched the XFL. I yet. haven't either. Everything okay. else was like, which XFL team would you compare Creighton to? And I was like, which one God, does dude, if I could even name an XFL Which team, one does he hate even... me play for? <laughs> is that you still alive? I I don't know. Probably. Taking, I think we're taking a risk on assuming that. Fair enough. You're never supposed to assume that the person's alive. That's true. You know what I mean? It's a dangerous game. It's true. I did a podcast with a buddy of mine. Who was dead? Wow. No. Oh, that have been weird. A couple weeks ago. And like, hey, I called you to do a podcast and you didn't answer. He didn't know that. <laughs> he didn't know that Lawrence Phillips was dead. No. And Lawrence Phillips came up. Shut the fuck. He's from Illinois. He doesn't live here. Okay. They did like a 30 for 30 on the dude. Yeah. That's not an Illinois, Nebraska thing. That's yeah. Like a, once ESPN does the 30 for 30, that's on you, wherever you live. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's just poor awareness. That's fair. 
he's got you gotta keep your head on a swivel there. You do. You gotta keep you gotta keep on current events. Like when L when LP goes, bites it, you gotta like especially the way it happened. Yeah, there you was gotta, some controversy there, I feel like. You gotta know that's a fact of the whole That's what I was like. I felt like that was a national sports story. That's yeah, something it was, that it was. you need to have That was for sure not a local a thing. A little awareness. He wasn't on. even in Nebraska when it happened. No, he was not. So yeah, yeah. totally not a local story. Yeah. So that so was you, a bad miss. So explain how that went down, though. Like, when you guys were – how would you deliver the – Oh, I was like – he was like, oh, well, you should – because we were talking about Scott Frost and Lawrence Phillips, mm-hmm. which is uh, dicey ground anyway. Yeah, I feel like when you're already having that conversation, you're having a bad conversation. It was actually, I thought, a really good conversation. About a bad thing. Yes. Several. Correct. Even, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Possibly. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, sorry, allegedly. <laughs> um, but But totally he's true. like, you know what? You should just invite – Scott Frost and Lawrence Phillips on your podcast, they can hash it out together. And then you just had one of those like... And I was like, ooh. You should sit down because I have some news. I was like, <laughs> well, unfortunately... I could only have one. Lawrence Phillips has passed, so... And I don't think Scott wants to talk about it. So what did he say when you when you were like... He was just like, ooh. You're like, seriously? Ooh. Because he didn't even pass away. It wasn't like one of those things. No, it wasn't like he natural... Was take, he was taken away. It was not natural causes. Yeah, no, no, no. So, yeah. Because that's always the distinction I make when someone says, like, I heard a lot of people do it with the Kobe thing, like, Kobe passed away today. Like, no, he didn't. Kobe was 41. That he did not, he did not pass away. Yeah. Was, it's like people try and do that to, like, lessen the blow of I, the words. I know, but there's totally, like, a There difference. is a difference. There's a major difference. People don't like Where your s- life expires versus it's, like, yes. untimely and tragic. Correct. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's totally different. Yeah. I tried to break it to him softly because. Good for you. I was trying to be a good friend. I feel like friend. you get caught in that situation a little bit more than you probably should. Just between the Kobe thing on air and then that. Dude, that's... That's two, that's two more than I think I would ever want to do. Dude, that sucked. We're like, Lawrence Phillips is dead? Oh, you didn't know? How'd At least he go? that wasn't, like, live you, I mean, on air. Yeah. Like, I could have cut that if I wanted to, right. and it went okay, so I was like, I'll leave it in. Yeah. The Kobe thing sucked, You know, man. You know what would have really sucked is, like, because of the Brooke Behringer thing and how much Ugh. of, like, a... Uh, like a super fan you were of that dude yeah imagine if you were on air when that news broke i mean i was like seven so that well i was you like nine been, you would have been devastated so that would have been a different deal because yeah like, like kobe is this, pretty good why in the first is this place. dude it was man i was but behringer might have got you like oh behringer i would i would have like go off the air oh for sure i wouldn't have been able to keep doing keep yeah, yeah. together right yeah um we went on a weird tangent took a weird turn that's okay <laughs> i like that i like podcast for those reasons <laughs> That's uh, I you know I've I've started um, to suspect whether it's podcast or radio that or it's just me and you things take yeah. a when things take a weird turn, I find that it's usually a me problem. <laughs> I don't even think it's a problem. <laughs> I'm just gonna roll with it being not a problem. Um, so Steve S wants to know, how do you see the Jays trying to defend Seton Hall's bigs and? Try to limit McKnight because we know Powell will get his. First of all, how dare you assume that Powell's going to get his? Because we just got them talking about the, you the know, the rubber Tysh- beats the road the moment with Tyshawn. Tyshawn fence. Yeah. So maybe and and first of all, I have the one man sitting here who doesn't think Powell's an automatic to get his every night. Do you want to just like address that first of all? Like, well, yeah, I mean, look at his shooting percentages. <laughs> like he's going to. Do get you want his, me to look at it? Because I don't really want to. It's forty-one percent from the field. Yeah, they're not good. And it's like thirty-two percent from three-point range. Yeah, he's a very low efficiency score. It's the same thing I disliked about Shamari Pons. The dude is just a chucker. Right? And yeah. so, yeah, he's going to get his because he's going to take 30 shots regardless. You know? And it's like, that's that's not always the best thing for your team. Okay. 
And so, yes, he probably is going to score 20 points. What you have to do is make him take 22 shots to do it, which I think is in play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always in play. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's always in play that he goes six for 22. Because you can pencil him in for the 22 shots. Regardless. It's all about if they're if it's going to be like 50 or 20. Yeah. It's like, is he going to score 45 tonight? Or 10. Or yeah. 17 yeah. on the 22 shots. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And... So if that's what you mean by get his, then yes, he's probably going to score about 20 points for the game at least. But I think there's ample evidence that Tyshawn Alexander is up to the task of making him work and making him... Listen, you don't have to work that hard to make Miles Powell inefficient. So if you are trying to make Miles Powell inefficient, you take a guy that's naturally inefficient and just push him right off the cliff there. <laughs> and so, like, listen, is it possible that he goes on a heater and drops 40? Sure. Yeah. It, that's always on the table. But so is a 3-for-28 performance. That's on the other end of the table, and that's also always on the table. You might want to eat that tonight. Yeah, it's like, you don't know what he's hungry for. Yeah. Let me, you try, don't know. Let me try this bowl. Oh, you don't no. Know. <laughs> this was the wrong thing. Oh, this was the 3-for-28 bowl. Oh, no. Like, you don't know what he had for lunch. He might Dinner might be weird. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, it's – I yeah, don't so, think it's a foregone yeah. conclusion at all. Yeah, so basically neither of us agree that we, we're assuming Powell's going to get I deny him. the we, premise. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, but McKnight is going to be a tough one, and I have absolutely zero clue how Scott Creighton defends those pigs. Yeah, I have no Mom idea. Mom really is different. I feel like Creighton can defend him – because um, Christian's pretty athletic. Yeah, I think. And Denzel has had success guarding five Bigger guys. And yeah. he's naturally a four anyway, so. Um, I think you can survive. So, you know, Mamakash Vili and Roden, Creighton's defended guys like that before, even though they're studs. I don't know Gil's how. a problem. Gil's a major, major Gil's problem. A problem. I mean, he, that dude can just catch over dudes and it won't be yeah. an issue. So, so I don't know what Creighton can do. They, they're going to have to front the post for sure. But they don't post him up very much. It's mostly pick and rolls of the rim. So Creighton's going to have to be yeah, so what super you sharp on, like... have to do, in, in my opinion... Reading the lob play. Well, I you have to try and prevent the lob play from ever occurring. Yeah. So Pressure on the ball, number one. Yeah, so you have to pressure on the ball and maybe even just straight double the ball. Okay. Because that's the best way... So on pick and roll... Because usually, so like on pick and roll coverage... Send the big and the guard out there to make the ball leave the dude's hands. Yes. So chase him towards the half court. Basically, line. you chase him to half court, yeah. make him do a reverse dribble, and reverse the ball out. Okay. And if your guys can't recover back to Romario Gill to prevent the lob by then, then you deserve it. Like, you deserve to get dunked on at that point. Uh-huh. But to me, that's the only... Because that's the problem with him being 7-2, is you don't necessarily need to actually, like... No. They can just throw and the And he's going to get some. They can just throw the damn thing up there. As high as he wants. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get some anyway, but if there's enough ball pressure that the passer does not feel comfortable, that's your best bet in preventing the lob. For sure. Because, again, he's 7'2", he's super athletic. Creighton doesn't have anyone like that on their roster. No. And Well, they do. He's on the bench. His name is Jacob Epperson. That's actually fair. Yeah. Um, he can't jump yet, so right, but there's no chance he's going to help healthy, out the scout. Yeah. Yeah, not going to help out on the scout. But yeah. when healthy, they do have a guy similar to that on their roster. He yeah. exists. It doesn't help for Wednesday, though. Um, does not help for Wednesday. But, yeah, to me, it's all about ball pressure and what they yeah. do on those pick and They have to just swarm the ball handler on those pick and roll screens and just take as much – make them give up as much space as possible towards half court mm-hmm. and make that pass either really unappetizing or just downright impossible to try and make over the double. Um, totally agree. And then McKnight was the other layer to that question. 
you just got to keep him from getting downhill. Um, I know he's a improved three-point shooter, but Creighton's defense is kind of like it's sky you play the odds. base and you play the odds. You want if you, want, goes, you want Quincy McKnight being a jump shooter because if he gets downhill, he's A, a really good finisher, B, he's going to find kill. Yes. So – you take and he's your, a good free throw shooter, so you don't want him. You don't want him all day. You don't want him in the de- inside no. the inside the paint. Honestly, all. you take your chances if he goes six for eight from three. You clap yeah. your hands and say, "Good, good job." Have, yeah, you had a good game, Quincy. Exactly. Um, and honestly, with with Seton Hall, you might just like stand in front of the ball and make them be jump shooters. Is kind of like how you're going to have to beat them. Honestly, you know what I would if do? They, and if they hit, then you're going to get beat. Yeah, but. If they don't... But if they don't, you're going to have a chance. Yeah. But if you're letting them get downhill and chasing them off the three-point line all night, you're going to get beat no matter what. Honestly, what I would do, and this probably sounds crazy, but I would just say, listen, Miles Powell, you have to be 50 to beat us. You have to get 50 to beat us. Mm. That's all you... Like, if you can hit 10 step-back threes tonight, like, God bless you. We're done here. We're going to let you cook if you can cook. Yes. Basically, yeah. Like, don't send doubles to him unless he's in that pick-and-roll coverage we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, unless he's bringing an extra defender to himself. Don't send doubles to him. Just have Tyshawn say, like, hey, I'm not playing off of you, but I'm giving you the three-point shot over the drive because, again, he's a 32% three-point shooter. Yeah. Like, you take your chances there, Mm. right? You don't want him getting to the foul line. That's a huge issue. And you don't want him getting downhill where other guys can get open, Gil can get putbacks or whatever mm-hmm. uh, on stuff like that. If he wants to make 10 step back threes, congratulations, Seton Hall, you win. Yeah. That's how I would play it, honestly, because That's fair. W- there's too many other. Because if you, if you let them play, if you play them honestly and try. If you try and shut him down. You're going to open yourself up to being banged to, down from three. You're just going to get killed. Yeah, exactly. And you're so, get killed from all areas of the floor. Right. If yeah. you can just – You have to take something away and live with the results ha- of the other. Exactly. That's, that's, that's everything. And these coaches hate this because they don't want to give anything up. Yeah. And they don't want to put it in their players' heads that, okay, we're okay with this. But the reality of the situation is you can't take away everything. Right. Nice. You can't take away threes totally. and drives. You can't take, put ball pressure and have good help side defense. There's something you have to give up. I will give up Miles Powell from three-point range all day long. He can have it. If he goes 9 of 14, like, good win, Seton Hall. Mm. It's a top 10 team on the road. You're not supposed to win that game anyway. Gotcha. Um, Eddie Johnston wants to know, against St. John's, rebounding was tough. That's an understatement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why switch? The undersell of the century. <laughs> yeah, we just got to talk about how big of an understatement that was. Um, why switch to the one three one rebounding out of the zone is even harder. Um, also, what can be done besides recruiting uh, to help solve the rebounding issue? So, besides recruiting, um, recruiting. Yeah, just recruiting. that's the only thing that like. <laughs> but the one three one, health, the, the mean, one three one was because get... St. John's had been banging threes from all over the yeah. floor, like, and they're like, okay, we just throw a different defense at them now because it's just a gimmick to get guys out of rhythm. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that Providence did. Yeah, Providence and it tra- Providence tried his own because they couldn't guard anything else. Yeah, and they weren't catching Creighton trading buckets. They're like, let's try mixing the defense. Mixing up our defenses and see what happens, and they're like, "Oh crap, it worked." Let's yeah, keep going. and it works sometimes. Yeah. Like that's that's why coaches do that. Yeah, unless they don't, ever, they don't ever think, "Oh, let's go to the one three one. This is our secret weapon." Now they're going to be shut down because if they thought that, they would have started the game with it. That's the thing. People that think the zone defense is their secret weapon only run zone defense. Yes, and to be fair, like I can see that. Like I understand, I understand the thought process there, and I'm cool with it. Yeah. But if you can't be a team that's like. I'm going to run man 50% of the time, and I'm going to run zone 50% of the time. Because <coughs> the, the secret of a zone is if you're not repping that and practicing that 
with almost all of your practice minutes mm-hmm. that you're going to commit to defense, it's going to be awful. Yeah. The only value that it brings to the table is that it just screws with people's offense because you have to run different offensive sets yes. against the zone versus a man. Completely. And the 1-3-1 kind of complicates things even further because most teams only practice extensively 2-3 um, offensive sets where you flash a guy to the middle of the high post, you have a guy running short corners. That's usually what teams practice against when they're like, oh, they might throw a zone at us. With Creighton with the one three one, it's just more different stuff that they have to prepare for. Yeah. And it's and the stuff high that, post isn't there because it's covered up. The high post isn't there, and it's stuff that they probably haven't run very much in practice. Yeah. And so all it is is just, hey, let's get them out of rhythm. Let's try and get them to – and honestly, it worked. Well, they didn't I mean, shoot the ball that well. Sanchez was playing at a great pace, and they were, they were giving Creighton problems with their cutting, so to, they just – it wasn't That's about it wasn't about thing. rebounding. Creighton wanted to slow St. John's down offensively, and they wanted them to stop. You know, That's the other compromising thing is, their defense with back cuts and whatnot. So, zone defenses basically eliminate back cuts. Yeah, it makes you a standstill. Yes. screen and roll pass offense. Yes, which St. John's and honestly, not a lot of teams at. are really bad at the screen and roll of yeah. zones because you have to go find the guy. The guy's not just there. Right, you have to go like find him in the zone and then screen him. Mm-hmm. And most teams, as simple as that sounds. Most guys, I mean, the screening offense is hard because your ball handler and your screener have to be in sync. Yeah, they have to, the, the timing and the fact has that you to have to find right. the defender to do that. Yes, is it different. just adds another variable yeah. to a thing that already requires timing. Yes, and so most teams don't. Most teams don't even try and run pick and rolls against zones. Right, exactly. Um, and then so what could make what could solve the rebounding issue? I mean, I mean today was about today was about long shots, long rebounds. So Creighton's blockouts weren't. They didn't necessarily do a great job of going to find bodies and then go to the ball. They kind of just went to the ball, went to the rim on a shot, yeah. and then the ball kind of caroms over their heads, and then they're like, "Okay, we're back in defense again." I mean, part of it's part of it's so a part focus of it's thing. That, yeah, part of it's a mental thing. But Creighton, with this roster as currently constructed, is only going to be so good rebounding the ball ever. Right. Even if they're completely locked in, do everything yeah. right, they have a ceiling. Yes, that you can. Their ceiling is, is like not elite. A B minus. Right. Like C that's, plus B minus, yeah. like that's their ceiling. Their ceiling, their ceiling is like league average. That's if they do everything perfect, right? You know, and so, you know, not to cheat the, not to Kobayashi Maru your question here, but it's recruiting. Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> I mean, I think their best, re, their best defensive rebounding performance came against Michigan, right? Like, which is weird, but sure. Yeah, right. Creighton was twenty of twenty-four <coughs> on the defensive glass in that game. I think that's their best performance. So most of the time, it's going to be an issue, and of late, it's been a big issue. But again, yes, large issue. But again, they're six and two. They, they're six and two against that somehow. So maybe it's not that big of an issue. They kind of know what they're doing. I mean, it kind of goes back to like uh, you know, maybe ten years ago or so. The NBA kind of like started figuring out that offensive rebounding is kind of like not important, and slowly that's starting to filter into the college game a little bit. Like the Unlo- point where it's like, unless you if you don't have an offense, you need to go to the class. But if yes. you, but most of the time you need to be sending guys back in transition, especially against a team like Creighton, yeah, where they will get out and run and beat you, and <coughs> that's why. And I, I think you said Villanova was one of the lowest numbers in that stretch at nine. It's because Jay Wright refused after that first horrifying year that Jay Wright experienced against Creighton. Yeah, he refuses to let them run. Right, no matter how bad the Creighton team is, no matter what the physical advantages or disadvantages. We're walking the ball up every single time. He's like, we time. will walk it up every time, yeah. and we are sending five guys back. And that's not even like... No a, one that's, is that's offensive not, That's rebound. not like a light jog. It's like Colin Gillespie, Jalen Brunson, Ryan Archie, and will take the ball from the inbound, from the baseline, 
and, and they will walk. They will cross half court at 21 seconds. Yes, at 21. <laughs> Sometimes they almost like 10 seconds themselves. They like have to like do a little hop step like, at uh, 20 just yeah. to get over. They have to like skip across. Yeah, like they're and they slow down again. And they're just he just has decided that Creighton will not beat him running. They might beat him another way, but they will not beat him running. And so I think you see that with and you're right, you, you bring it up in the NBA. Unless you play a very specific style of offense or just not just offense, but also your entire system <coughs> where it's reliant on create like maximizing your possessions. Mm-hmm. Like some of these really up tempo teams, like you saw with St. John's, some of these really up tempo teams that shoot a ton of threes emphasize offensive rebounding at a really high rate because if you can create more opportunities for yourself to shoot more threes the percentages will lean in your favor at some point right and so most teams don't operate that way so as much as it frustrates fans and players and coaches a lot of times the offensive rebounding is not as directly correlated to wins and losses as people would like to think as we've seen in the last eight games for example yep Oh, I think that's it for questions. Yep. Um, so on to Seton Hall now. We talked about it a little bit, so we don't have to go too super in depth because we already kind of broke it down a little bit in terms. Yeah, of you ease. got my thoughts on Powell. <laughs> but this matchup is really interesting because <clears throat> you know you have Zagorowski and McKnight at the point guard spot, who are arguably the two top contenders for most improved player in the Big East. Um, well, I thought you were going to say they were the two best point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. If you throw Gillespie in there, yeah. Gillespie, I think they're, I think they're, I think they're ahead of Baldwin. Baldwin's not a point guard, so yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Um, I don't really consider Howard a point guard, even though he probably is. Howard is definitely not a point guard. Right. Some people will label him that way. That's dumb. So go on. I'm just saying. Uh, St. John's machine, dumb. No, not in that. Not on that level. Uh, Georgetown, Terrell Allen, no. No. Providence, William Pipkins, David Duke, no. No. Um, How do you feel about... Xavier. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's... DePaul. Charlie Moore's puts up numbers, but he's a turnover machine, doesn't shoot the ball well. But yeah, he's like the... McKnight, it's McKnight, Gillespie, and yeah, Zagorowski. that's it. Top three point cards in the yeah. league. Yeah. So the top two will go at it. Or the two of the top, two of the top, top three, three will go, go at it, it on Wednesday. Um, then you got Tyshawn versus Miles Powell, uh, the buddies from Team USA. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe arguably the top on-ball defender in the league versus arguably the top heat check guy in the league. Yeah, he's like a... The t- arguably one of the top on-ball defenders in the league versus the... Most prolific the shot attempter in the league. In the league. Yeah. <laughs> I the mean, there's, there's a little... Versus the, most, versus the guy with the least amount of conscience about what he's trying to do. There's a little bit there. of Dion Waiters there. For oh, sure. A little bit? There's a lot of... There's, there's a, a lot, lot of, of Dion Waiters. There's there. a lot of bit of Dion Waiters. <laughs> um, I think you I know, and, then, and, then, and then you got Balak and Mama Kalashvili, who, like... I know Balak play, is playing the three a lot this year, but in terms of guys who can do multiple things on the floor... Yeah. Um, obviously, Mama Kalashvili is bigger than Balak, but uh, they're vers- the versatility, two of the most versatile, underrated guys, I think, in the league. Um, then you got the Mahoney, Bishop, Kelvin Jones matchup with uh, Seton Hall's Twin Towers of Obiagu and Gill. That's like, where it gets interesting. 
it's going to be because the, here's the interesting thing that I'm looking forward to, and I think it's going to be the key to the game is like one of those guys has to guard Mahoney, right? But that's a but that's the, a but, problem for but them. But he also too. has to guard. It is yeah. So it's like to me in those matchups is always who blinks first. Yeah, it's right. Who is who? Which, like, which coach is like? I can't have this dude on the floor anymore. Like we know Creighton's going to play their dudes, so I don't think they're going to blink. Well, they can't. But they blink. might just get overwhelmed. That's they can't you know? blink. Yeah, they, who are they going to say? Yeah, they can't. Blink. But Willard can blink because yes. he can go small and put yeah. Mom with the five, Roden four, and go from there with KL three. Because you look at my so, but, but you look at the minutes allocation today against the Villanova team, which is Villanova's got size, but they also play basically. I mean, Jeremy Robinson Earl is their only post player. Yeah. So they basically play four guards around him all the time. Yeah. And when he's not on the floor, Jermaine Samuels plays like a guard, even though he doesn't shoot very well. Yeah. So, like, those guys, Gil and Obiago, Obiago played single digit minutes today. Gil only played 21. So they kind of, like. They blinked. They, were, they blinked. Yeah. They're like, in order to win this game, we have to match up with Villanova. So. And they do, did. They, and they won. And they won. They did. So do they, do they feel the same? Is Can Obiago and Gil defend those pick and rolls because Christian Bishop is going to be their matchup and he's going to be screening the hell out of defenders for Tyshawn and Marcus and Mitch and same with Denzel when he's at the five will those seven foot two monsters can they get on the perimeter and defend those pick and rolls because if not Creighton's going to have some really good looks from three I would like to see some pick and pops with Denzel as the screener yeah I mean yeah because that is going to put them in really uncomfortable positions Mm mm-hmm and I'm like a masochist, so I would love to see them put Denzel at the five. <laughs> start it out with that way. Mitch at the four. Not start it, but like go Denzel at the five, Mitch at the four, mm-hmm. then Damian, Tyshawn, Marcus. Would that be Creighton blinking? That would be Creighton flexing. Oh, <laughs> you're right. That's just like the double middle finger. Like <laughs> that's Creighton starts the game like that. That's like you be know like, what we're doing today. This is what we do. We're screening and popping. And Good luck. We're banging threes like, all day. We're not even going in the paint. Don't even worry about that. We're going to take 43. If you grab a defensive rebound, it's because we missed the shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're, we're taking 43s, yeah. all of them on pick yeah. and pops. That is the key, though. Creighton's going to have to bomb from three. Course, There's no way they're, be- they're not beating Seton Hall any other way, right? I Because mean, unless Gill's out of the game, they're not going to be throwing lobs to the rim or going to the rim and trying to score, are they? Not lobs to the rim. I'll be interested because Gil likes to block shots. I, think, I mean, yeah. I think Gil he, loves to block shots. I think you can get a lot of like backside action. Okay. Where Gil goes for the shot block. If they were if they're really disciplined like we saw him. Villanova got it like twice today. Yeah. Just twice. I understand that. They tried it a lot. Sure. They only got it twice. Sure. And there was a lot of times where Robinson Rose was like, I could back this dude down and go in his chest, and he still got blocked. Yeah, nobody nobody long. on Creighton is going to try and back him down, though. You would hope not. If they do, they won't be for very <laughs> long. Right. They won't, they won't be in the game for very long. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm just thinking, like, okay, so you go small. Mm-hmm. They're zigging. You zag, right? Like, and yeah. really zag. You're really zagging. And, but here's, here's the thing, though. How much different is Denzel Mahoney – Versus Gill versus Christian Bishop versus Gill. Well, the difference is Denzel can shoot three. That's what I'm saying, though. But yeah. defensively, when you have to match him up defensively, oh, what's the difference? Nothing. Right? Because he's dunking over Bishop and he's dunking over Mahoney. Yes. So give me the guy that can shoot threes. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Give me the guy that makes you come out and guard. It's the Ethan Rogge principle, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like it is. It really is. Yeah. And so, like, I think that would be really interesting. 
it is going to be really interesting because I think the only the way Creighton wins that game is by bombing away from three with, sure. super, with, a super, yeah. with their super small lineup. You go, you take like 35 attempts from three. Like I think this might even be a game where you have a conversation with Christian like you're not going to play very much. It's today. like you and Kelvin are getting does it. Flan does it all the time. You're only you know, he, tell, he tells kids, each. he's like, look, you're not going to play very Which much. Which I appreciate. Because the like, matchup doesn't dictate us having a 6 Which I think the kids appreciate. I appreciate. I no, think the do. kids appreciate that, too, because yeah. they know going in, and they're not like, did I do something wrong? Were right. my minutes bad? Like, yeah, exactly. whatever. They're just like, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. We're going to try you know, this. Be like, hey, best chance I need you to be locked in in case we need you. Right. But this is we're going to try this other thing. And I think they should, because what do you have to, like, you're not losing that much from what you're sending out. Like, it's not like Creighton has a real big lineup. No. Like, there's, it's like they have we, a, we joke about it all the time on this podcast, like John and I do. We like, when Creighton goes big, it's it's still small. It's still a, like, natural four at the center yeah. in Bishop. It's and, arguably a natural three because you can't really shoot like a four in this offense. So it's more of like a. I mean, threes shoot two, so it's not. I mean, but he plays like a, you know, one of those like wing like slashers. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, right. But so you're talking. I mean, basically. So from got, that from that point you on basically down, have like, like Mitch Ballack is the f- true four in this offense. <laughs> you basically have natural wings. <laughs> yes. Playing the five. Right. Anyway, I mean, he's closer to a guard than a five. Well, it's because he grew up playing a guard. He grew like right. a foot when he was a sophomore. Yeah. The only thing he didn't. The only thing that was lacking was the shooting. Um, he almost pulled the day. By the way, did you see him? <laughs> Hey, he got way too much. He's like, should I do this? I don't know. He's like one for one on the season, isn't I he? I think so. Still incredible. Yeah. Uh, best shooter on the t- no. I'm just- <laughs> no, but most I mean, accurate shooter ever. Yes, the b- highest percentage in the history of Creighton. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean seriously, it, it's one of those things where yeah, no, you're not when you, if you go small, you're really not sacrificing anything that you're not already sacrificing. Right. So this, you might this- as well just like upgrade the places you can upgrade. <sighs> And see what happens. I feel like this is like one of those big litmus tests for Creighton too, in terms of like, is there a bad matchup for them in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, some team that's just giant. Yeah, right. Because like this is, if they're gonna face any of them between now and then, this is the team that's that's the close. This, this is that. The, that this, yeah, the, yeah. In terms of having elite bigs. Yeah. Because Gill can, he's a game changer in the middle. Yes. Um, and then they have bigs who can also stretch the floor and. and Roden and Mama Kelly really. So, like, in terms of figuring out, like, how much of an uh-oh it is for Creighton to face a matchup like this in the NCAA tournament. It's a good test. This is the test. I mean, facing them twice down the stretch is going to be And pretty, if you find pretty, out that it's a big uh-oh, you just cross your fingers. You're like, you come you on, matchup guys. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, selection committee. Don't give Give me a, yeah. Give me a guard-oriented offense. Right. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. Dear sweet God, not San Diego State again. Because if Creighton, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, at this point, 24, almost 25 games into the season, we kind of know that if Creighton faces a guard-oriented offense, that's let's, advantage Creighton, Let's right? go. Yeah. I mean, does like, anybody have a three at this point in the country that is as good, especially playing together as Mitch, Tyshawn, and... Not Marcus that can are. all play at the same time. Right. I don't think so, no. Yeah. And then you've got, again, you've got this X-Factor coming off the bench in Denzel that can do a lot of things that a lot of guys don't have coming off the bench. And so... Yeah, if we're going, if we're talking about teams that are small or even traditionally sized, yeah, I'll take Creighton's chances against most of those teams. Mm-hmm. This is the first like super giant team we've seen them against. Yeah, and this is a uh, like again, uh, this is like the super fun matchup because I feel like this is the best one-two combo in terms of ones and twos. Like 
Tyshawn and Marcus yes. versus Quincy yeah. and Miles. Yeah, for sure. I think this is the best one-two combo matchup in the league. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, who's who's Villanova? Because Tyshawn's an all-big East like Justin guy. Justin Moore? Yes. Which, that's not... Justin Moore and Jermaine Samuels are their twos. Yeah, and they're... I don't even know why Jermaine Samuels is a two. He's not they, they just, a two. I'm, they list... He's not. Yeah, but that's what he plays. He's like a four. Right. Um... No, I mean, so, like, you know, Justin Moore's a nice player, but he's not in that same league as Colin Gillespie and those other guys. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely the best, mat- like, strict backcourt. Because otherwise, you know, Thompson and Baldwin are the others, but Thompson isn't a threat offensively. No. So when you look at Marcus also, and Tyshawn. Also, Kyrie ended his career, like, three seasons ago. So, But he's still alive. He plays. Yeah, but his soul is Apparently gone. Apparently he's the key to their offensive efficiency because they sucked without him. So. His soul is gone, though. It is. It feels like he's in. It was taken, like... He's really angry now, at which some I feel point, like is all pent up from that that day. At, at some he point... He seemed like a cool, nice kid at that point, and then Kyrie did that to him. And, and now he like, changed him. And now he FUs everybody <laughs> on the court. Like He's like... He talks a lot of crap. He drops a lot of MFers. Yeah. Well, it's because, like, when yeah. you... When you, you know, he's they, constantly haunted by that memory. It jades a person to be like, Thanos snapped... And then even if they go back in time and, pre- and then bring you back to life, like, you're still never the same. You're forever changed. I think it's like I think it's like he plays every minute of his career from now on as, like, never wanting that to happen again. Yes. So That's he why had, he's become such a good defender. So the edge... <laughs> he's like, never again. It will not happen again. So the edge always has to be there because if it happens again, he might, like, give up. They don't have... That's pretty funny. They don't have enough... Uh, of uh, magic uh, time machine powder to go back and save his life again. No. <laughs> God, I still remember that. We were sitting next to a – Alex and I were sitting next to a scout from the Utah Jazz, I think. And, uh, oh, my God. It was funny because, like, he was – he came and he sat down and we were, like – we were just kind of, like, picking his brain, like, who are you here to watch and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, I'm kind of here to see Keelan Martin, who actually is getting run in the league. I don't know. Whatever. It's because he hasn't had to face Kyrie again. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so uh, he's like, yeah, I'm here to see Keelan Martin and uh, a little bit of Marcus Foster. And I was like, and I kind of looked at Alex. I was like, he came to a Creighton game to see Keelan Martin? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, he's not going to be impressed. No. <laughs> yeah, so Keelan Martin had six turnovers against Kyrie. Was not drafted by the Jazz. Was not, dra- <laughs> was not drafted by the Jazz. And Aaron Thompson got punched on. Yep. And when and when Aaron Thompson punched on him, he already had he already had like in his mind that that was the dude locking up the dude he came to see. So he's like, all right, so the dude who just is shutting down <laughs> Keelan Martin, my top pro- prospect here, just did that to another kid. <laughs> and like the rest of the game, he spent just reading Kyrie's page. <laughs> and it was like, it's like, who the f is this? Yeah, guy? what in the what in God's name? Who is this? And like, so basically, he just studied Kyrie's. Like bio for like the whatever, however long the game lasted after that. Like it was, he was like, like locked in. That dude made a phone call. I don't call. think he looked up the rest of the game. That dude like, made a phone call as soon as the game was over. <laughs> right. Be like, get forget Keelan Martin. There's this kid named Kyrie Thomas. <laughs> for real. That was hilarious to me. He's like, I'm here to see Keelan Martin. I was like, you're not going to be impressed. He's like, why? <laughs> don't worry about it. Just wait. Yeah. Like the, his kryptonite's on the other side of the court, but you'll find that out the hard way. Um, yeah, so I think that's it for that's all the questions we got. Let me make sure one more time. Wait, there we go. Last chime in here. Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, so thanks for filling in, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually went super long on this one because we this is what we do. 
Um, do you have anything to plug? Um, are you going to be on any shows this week at all? That we need um, to let know no, about? no fill-ins this week. I've just got Creighton Athletic Hour on Tuesday. Which I will remember this time. Which, which you usually appear on. Yeah. And no pregame on Friday, on Wednesday because it's an early game. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like a 5.30 tip. So okay. John will be at 5, and then that's it. So no no pregame for me on Wednesday. But Bummer. You can check out. Uh, well, you'll be on the Blue Jays Shooter Run on the weekend, right? The weekend game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but you can check out Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. It's just mostly a general nonsense podcast. Which are the best kind of podcasts, in my opinion. A lot of people think it's a fitness podcast. It's not. It's just because I like to lift weights is mostly the name. Um, But those are out every Monday and Friday. I don't feel like you should let people know that. I feel like you should just let them assume what they assume going in. Well, a lot of be surprised. A lot of people like. Is he going to talk about the weightlifting? Well, a lot of people don't listen to it because they're like, I don't want to listen to a weightlifting podcast. Oh, so you have to like press for it. So I have to be like, hey, it's mostly just because I like to lift weights that it's named that. Yeah. And it's kind of a play on like, hey, just sit back and relax and I'll do the heavy lifting. I like that. See? Yeah. I feel like that show should be your plug more than the lifting weights thing. Right. I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. That's not about lifting weights. Okay, cool. So, that makes sense. Like, la- on Friday, I did a NBA trade deadline pod and some little bit of, well, a lot of general nonsense. My cat broke in the room and kind of uh, caused some mayhem. So that on was the fun. podcast? Oh, yeah. I left it in there. Oh, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so every Friday and Monday. <laughs> All right. Nice. Um, yeah, so check that out. And then, obviously, he's the voice of Blue Jay Shoot Around and the Creighton Athletics Hour. Did you add the S back in there now? I noticed the S. I have because you got really upset about it, and your is friendship that... is important to me. So oh, Was that the reason? Yes. Wow. Is that the reason? Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, the actual liner says Creighton Athletic Hour. That's not, That doesn't make sense, though, does it? You understand my logic I there, do, right? yeah. Okay, good. I was just repeating the thing that was pre-recorded. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I don't. Uh, for some reason, like I, it always was athletics hour to me, and then all of a sudden, like like the hour, you're like itself- hey, you want to be on this thing? And I was like, sure. And then like so, every week I have to hear like, yeah, you say that one word, and I'm like, why are you not adding the s? That's driving me nuts. Yeah, I was and just I'm, repeating. Like, I don't know. I, that's what they told me to say, so I just said it. Yeah, I was just repeating the thing that's on there. Yeah, I got you. No, but the, the hour s- itself. Does not have like a forty-inch vertical. I understand there's no athleticism. And you don't. And I don't hour. think you podcast that, right? No, we do not. Okay, so you have to listen six o'clock, six seven, to seven on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yes. Okay. But the podcast so that'll be the night before is podcasted. So that'll be the night. That'll be the night before they play Seton Hall. Yeah. So we'll do a little Seton Hall preview then. Shit. <laughs> um, Actually, we'll just replay this. Yeah, we'll just replay on this the radio. Segment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we can also talk about Jalen Agnew. So we won't talk about Jalen Agnew tonight. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to her. Jalen Agnew was super awesome on today. Yes, which is whenever day you're listening to this. <laughs> so today, my today, today. today was the day she did it. <laughs> so just go back in your calendars and figure out when we recorded this podcast. Um, yeah, she was super awesome. So we'll talk about that maybe a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Because you like super efficient, awesome offense. I super do. She was super, super efficient. I do love some. Can we talk about that points per shot stat. She was yeah. almost at two points per shot. So. Like when Olivia Elger went. Uh, Seven for ten from three the other day. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, be still my heart." Yeah, Jalen was seven of eleven <laughs> from three. Today. Ooh, I like yeah. it. Me like it. You had me at seven for eleven from three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so cool. So yeah, that's where you can uh, hear Ravi. Um, good dude, one of my best buds, um, and he knows his stuff about hoops. So make sure you tune in and listen to him. Um, thanks for filling in, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And then uh, whiteandbluereview.com for this podcast. We'll have it up uh, pretty soon. If not tonight, definitely tomorrow. Um, and then we'll have more coverage of the uh, recapping uh, Creighton's win over St. John's and then 
uh, looking ahead to Seton Hall. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along. We will talk to you when's Creighton's next home game? Wednesday. No. Home game. Saturday. Saturday? Nope. Sure? I don't know. Let's look real quick. Hold on. We'll figure it out. I'm looking it up right now. Creighton's next home game is either St. John's notes. Where's Creighton's notes at? Dang it. They're, yeah, next Saturday they're home. DePaul. Okay. Yeah. The 15th. February 15th. If, uh, if John's still on baby duty, maybe John's back. If not, we'll see who wants to... I might be able to fill in again if John's still on baby duty. It's yours if you want it, sir. Um, So, yeah, I'll talk to you again uh, after DePaul. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.